What do you call two guys that were there when this happened? Back to return at Spurlock. Michael Spurlock at the 10. He's to the 20. He's to the 25. Or the 30. To the 40-yard line. We could see history. 50, 40, to the 30-yard line. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. There you go. And that 62-yard field goal attempt. It is good. Good. Eagles. Who can forget? Again, I'm looking again. Those up the middle. It's intercepted at the Derek 40. Derrick Brooks, 30. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Derrick Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. We call them the Salty Dogs. Greetings and happy holidays to all those listeners out there. This is the Salty Dogs podcast. I'm Scott Smith. And I am Jeff Ryan. Can you believe a week from today we're recording on Tuesday? Yeah. That it'll be Christmas. Yeah, so I guess this could be our last podcast of the uh, of the calendar year, unless we figure mm. out a way to do it on Monday. Because yeah, I'm not coming in on. Christmas. I'm not coming in on, on Christmas. Either. Maybe we'll do it on Christmas Eve. We'll have a Christmas. We'll Eve We'll have a show. Christmas Eve party. Oh, we'll sing. I that. mean, you've already sort of headed in that direction because you brought do. snacks this I, time. I do for, for yourself. For me myself, yes. right? It is the year of giving, and I'm not. <laughs> not even going to share with our guests when he gets here. I'll have them all eaten before he gets here. <laughs> that that guest will be Alex Smith, the quarterback. Alex not Smith the quarterback, is- oh, Alex oh. Smith. He's had some uh, health issues. I don't think he be available i no. guess he's out of the hospital now yes also not my son alex smith no who doesn't know enough about buccaneer football sadly to be of any use on this podcast no well he, he has sent us some good questions no he would be good he would be good because because he would be telling the truth about his dad from his eyes <laughs> and that would all i don't be, know if we need that that would be very interesting um do you remember speaking of that he was the one that originally sent in the question about the overtime rule because right. we were watching a game and he mm-hmm. said what happens if they over if the Full 10 minutes, and they kick a field goal right at the end. And we found out eventually, I found out through an NFL referee, Mm -hmm. that the game is over. And I think that um, NFL broadcasters must listen to our podcast because that situation almost came up a couple weeks ago. And Mm -hmm. I think it was maybe Aikman. Okay. And he knew right off the bat. No hesitation. He's like, yeah, if they they use the whole time and kick a field goal, they win the game. It's over. Yeah. He Salty dogs. Didn't give us us, credit. Didn't give us credit. Didn't give us credit. That happens a lot, you know. People hear something, they don't credit. Yeah. Salty Dogs, Bucks Radio, <laughs> whatever it might be. You know, look. Uh, we look, want our dang credit. Yeah, exactly. Also, early in this year, I'm pretty sure on one of these podcasts, I brought up the, we were talking about new rules and I brought up the mm-hmm. diving, the quarterback diving rule. You could always give yourself up and slide feet first, and they're not supposed to be hit. But they changed the rule this year so the QBs could could also dive head first, and they're giving themselves up right. and have the same protection. And I said, well, what happens if a quarterback tries to dive over the goal line? And you're, you're such forward thinker. And it know. happened. I Since know. Since today's Jeff Driscoll, yes. and sure enough, they, they called him down where he started the dive, and they took away the touchdown when he was clearly diving for a mm-hmm. touchdown. That is a very flawed rule. And then they had to explain why. They had to do that. Yeah, it's a flawed rule, Jeff. They should just go back. If you're a quarterback and you want to declare yourself down, just slide feet first. Just do it. Yeah, and and I, you I know. think it's safer anyway. You don't get any extra yards by diving because they start it where you they spot it where you started but, the dive, and you're more likely to get hit in the head that way. I think. Yeah, the whole thing is is for safety issues, right? You want to save the quarterback. However, if the quarterback becomes a running yeah, back, if he's going to go out there and run, and you made a great point at lunch, you just happened to throw out there that if a running back he or anybody who has the ball can give themselves up. They can get anybody can do it, right. but uh, but they have to do it feet first because mm-hmm. you know you've seen quarter you've seen running backs dive over the goal line many times and they don't call it back. Crazy! It's, I don't agree with that rule at all. Well, you think they'll change it? Mm, not right away, at least. 
competition. I think committee. somebody a lot, <laughs> a lot more prominent than than me well, is going to have to complain about it. But I'm just saying, that maybe the Bengals will complain. They should. So let's talk about that football game, even though it didn't end up well. Uh, no, no, it was kind of crazy, really. Um, I think I think their um, their quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pretty athletic individual, <laughs> you think? But what amazes me, I take there. Yeah, you know, it, it was pointed out to me, and I had to agree. He looks more like a running back than a quarterback. Well, yeah, he's built like a running back. That said, and, and sure enough, everybody says that his passing is still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's true. And the numbers aren't great, and he only threw for about 130 yards on us. But one of the key plays in the game was his pass to that tight end over the middle, mm. and, and I think Dirk referred to it yesterday. But even at the time, up in the prospects were like. That's a fantastic pass. It was he was well covered. It was kind of almost like a pivot route. The tight end ran pretty much right up the middle and then pivoted out. And a- Andrew Adams was on him, but you know by pivoting he gives himself about a foot of separation between Andrew Adams' hands and his. And Lamar put that on the money and like the only place he could put it. Right, and and you also <clears throat> as the game progressed, you kind of set that play up because you have to keep tr- you have to you, trying to follow it. As a as a broadcaster was hard enough, as as a play because when they start moving around, sometimes he had kept the ball, sometimes he didn't, mm-hmm. sometimes he. I mean, it truly was difficult to know who had the ball. And the Bucks have had difficulty with that this year. I'm sure they're not the only team, but remember the the first Carolina game, they did mm-hmm. all that misdirection type of running, and we really struggled with that. And I I think I'm going to just refer to the cyclical nature of the NFL. That's a, that's really a big thing right now, but defenses will figure it out. Like the Wildcat. Exactly. All of those where, things work for a while. Yeah. Where is the Wildcat? Yeah, you still see it a little bit. New Orleans does it some, and mm. they do it with their other quarterback, the guy who blocked the punt against right. us. But you see it from time to time, but not a lot, because teams figured it out. What defenses are <clears throat> smart? Guys are looking at it. And after look at a the, while. Yeah, look at the results around the NFL. This was the most, and probably still is, offensive season. Offensive. <laughs> I think I said that last week. Of the... Um, uh, in history, and yet here in December, uh, offensive as in, "Ooh, this is really bad," or offensive as in, depends a lot on of, how you feel about <laughs> offense. Just, just asking. But uh, you know, you all, you had all those wonderful 40, 40 bucks mm-hmm. and Saints games, and mm-hmm. the, the Chiefs Rams game, fifty two, whatever, and and those were fun. But now it's December, and you have Indy shutting out Dallas, and you have twelve nine game, unbelievably between mm-hmm. New Orleans and Carolina, which cost me a fancy football playoff game, but that's neither here nor there. And uh, you know, lots of games like that. Our our last few games have been twenty to twelve and right. and then even la- even last night's game, last Monday night's game, uh twelve to nine, I thought it was a baseball game. That's what the score was last night too. Yeah, so. that was yeah. Yeah, that's that was New Orleans Carolina. Um there's been a lot of games like that where defense Dallas got shut out this time, but they flexed their muscle against the the Saints, right? They held the Saints, and the Saints aren't even scoring that much anymore. They won that game, but they scored twelve points. Last yeah, time. they did. It was against the Saints that they played so well against. You know, and the Bucks' offensive and, numbers have come down. Yes, of course. You know, when you play Baltimore's got a fantastic defense, so mm. gotta give them credit. I would say that game, both defenses were playing very, very well. I know they ended up with two hundred forty-two yards rushing, but they had to do it on forty-nine carries, mm. and I felt like we were doing a pretty good job of stopping them through the first maybe two and a half quarters, and. uh unfortunately we couldn't get off the field, especially in the second half. So we do well in first and second down and then give up the third down conversion and it goes on and on and on. And so the, the yards piled up at the end and you can't discount that they did get them. That's a, a mark against our defense, but I did think our defense was handling it pretty well until it got in the second half and, and they, they couldn't get off the field in third down. And then they were, and the offense wasn't doing much. So they were right back out there. 
three so, and outs. Yeah, so it, they just wore down again like the week before, and it's also late in the year, and you got a number of players out with injuries, and you're just wearing down a little well, bit. Well, and, and in, uh, inopportune times to have a penalty, and penalties are never a good time, but, you know, uh, Levante David gets the fumble recovery. And so, okay, great. We march down. Got a touchdown. We need a well. No, we got a touchdown. Got the touchdown, and then when we got back again, we have a first down, and can't punch it in. Can't punch it in. Well, we we got a first down, but it was called back because of a penalty. Oh yeah. And so then we, we then we couldn't go any further, and you're kicking field goals. Right. Um, and once again, we we were chasing a point, which I call chasing oh, the point, which is very very hard. And we figured out a different way to do it this time. That's right. It looked like it. Looked you know that counts uh, statistically as a failed two-point conversion. Really? <clears throat> That's how they. Oh, okay. The kick because was no, never attempted. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. That makes sense. The ball just went through Brian Anger's hands, and there was a lot of balls going through hands in that game. I guess the ball was slick. I couldn't tell if it went through his hands or it just popped straight up in the air. It was. It was, it it was, was weird. A, it wasn't that bad of a snap. It just went through his hands. Which I mean, I've always said. That's the last job I'd want in the NFL as a holder. I don't think people realize how hard that is, and it's amazing yeah. to me. It's not. It's not uh, messed up more often. No one knows who you are unless you're doing something. Wrong. And you do it right a hundred times a year. Yeah. And, and usually and no you do it right, right every time. And right. and sometimes you save bad snaps. You've seen that many mm-hmm. many times. But this one went through his hands, and like you said, we're chasing a point the rest. Sure. Of the time. And if a guy misses a kick, what's the first <clears throat> thing they say? Did he have the laces turned around right. for him? Yeah. Well, <laughs> they do that. <laughs> right. They actually do that. You got no win, but however, it's a great job. Yeah. You can hang in there. You know, we did not convert a single third down in the second half. Yeah, I know. And think this is what this season has been. We can't get a complete game because something weird. In Washington, you play well pretty much everywhere except you can't score in the red zone, even though we've been good in the red zone. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in this game, we actually were converting over 50% of our third downs in the second half of games coming into that game, and then we get none. That's just weird. Why did that happen? This, I mean, Baltimore's a great defense. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the reasons, yeah. but – these that's the way the season has been. <clears throat> We've had maybe three compl- games you'd call complete games. Right. Even I, the New Orleans one wasn't a complete game. I, I, I will say that it was pretty impressive the way the team, being the Buccaneers, played in that cold weather. And and if you look at the temperature, if you look at the temperature, you're going, ah, it really wasn't that cold. The humidity was ninety seven percent. Okay. And that and then you if had it's raining, rain. isn't that a hundred percent? No. No. Okay. No. Precipitation then would be 100% if it's raining. (laughs) Um, But it was a chilling cold and the wind was blowing. Oh, I wasn't down there. And it it, it was raining sideways. And so, you know, usually you see teams that, you know, sunny teams that that warm weather, you know, they're always. That used to be the story about the Used to be struggling. Well, yeah, but I. That was you a know, long time ago. If you go back that record, you could also see where the Bucks couldn't win. The Bucks after weren't 85 good. degrees. They, weren't, they weren't winning good either. in the yeah. state of Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but uh, you know, it was, a, it was a, a battle, and that, they're professionals. That's what they should be doing. Yeah. Let's but talk. Unfortunately, let's, not enough. Let's talk about a player who I thought had a very good game. Who do you think I'm going to say? And it's on defense. Uh, player uh, Vita Vey. Yes. He looked great. Well, he did have a good game. He had nine tackles. You don't see that from a defensive tackle very often. And he's moving down the line very, very That's quickly exactly now. That's exactly right. I he's, when, he's quick. I like when Coach Cutter said yesterday that he was making plays laterally because even when he wasn't producing and, and they were not high on his play earlier in the season, he was pushing guys in the backfield, mm-hmm. but that only goes so far. I mean, if you can push him in the quarterback before he throws, then maybe, but otherwise you haven't accomplished much. But now he's 
getting off those blocks and, and sliding to left and right and stopping ball carriers. And he looked so active in that game. It, it is a, <clears throat> the difference between trying to figure out how to get to where you're supposed to go to just going where you're supposed to go. <laughs> yeah. And that, and truly, he's not thinking, I'm not going to say he's not thinking, but he is, he's he recognizing and he's yeah. reacting. He's not pausing that half a second to know where am I going to go or how should I go? Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's one of the bright spots. He started slow, and in fairness, he wasn't for training camp. Didn't have preseason. Right. In fairness it to him, he, he worked very very hard. And, and so, as uh, I wrote yesterday, it's not the usual rookie thing where they hit a wall here in December. He started out yes. slow, and but now he's hitting his stride right at the end. And that turnaround for him happened about four games ago, and it was right after apparently. Jason Light came up to him on the practice field and had a little conversation with him. And mm-hmm. he said yesterday, this is Vita, that it it kind of opened his eyes a little bit. Even though what he was telling him wasn't a lot of new stuff, he'd uh-huh. been hearing it from his coaches, it kind of opened his eyes. He, he, he says he finally kind of got it. And he went back into the meeting room with the coaches, and he, he felt like he was getting it. And, and not all just X's and O's, but like – Apparently, Jason was stressing to him that you're as a defensive tackle, you have to play violently. That's the nature of the position. And and Coach Cutter said he was playing violently mm-hmm. yesterday, and you know, not being tentative of where he's going. I guess that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, that's and good. it also helps that the guy that gives you your job tells you to relax <laughs> and things good. I don't I don't care what you're doing for a living. If the guy that's the guy who thought you were worth the love of the overall pick the, the guy draft. that thinks you're the greatest thing in the office, <laughs> if he's giving you a pep talk, that's solid. It's when no. they it's when they quit talking to you, you got to be nervous. So did you know? That we have played, you did know this, I, I'm sure. That we well, played I don't games. know whether I know because I don't know what you're asking. I me. think you'll know that we have played 14 games. I do know. That. I think I brought this up last week, but it continued. What? We have now started 14 unique lineups on defense. You Every did bring single it up. game, yes. but it happened again because yeah. uh, it was uh, Bola and Vita Vea mm-hmm. and Andrew Adams all in the same lineup. We, that hadn't happened before. Uh, we added to the uniqueness of it. That is bizarre. I, wondered, I want us to make 16 now. But oh, I you got a good shot at it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you got a really good shot. Well, at it. except that if there's nobody coming in or out of the lineup due to injuries, mm-hmm. then they could just go with the same thing. That, well, of course, Darius would probably be back. Yeah, if he's back, then. But does that count? Because that would be a same lineup that happened. Another it might time. be a same lineup that happened before. If okay. it's, they, uh, I don't know what will have to change. Maybe, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Vinny Curry gets a start along with. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, we'll have to wait. That, yeah. Something to look I want forward us to. to. Make it. Yeah. Something to look forward to it in means Dallas. Absolutely nothing, but I still want to see that. Well, speaking of Dallas. Speaking of Dallas. So we get our. Um, we we we're eliminated from the playoffs now. Yeah. Dallas is totally. Fighting, no matter what happens, because so, we're five and nine, we can only get to seven wins. Seattle already has eight, and Minnesota. Um, Minnesota can't be worse. Then seven, eight, and one because yeah. they're seven, six, and one. So seven, we can't catch seven, eight, and one. So I believe that means we're eliminated. I didn't check, but I, I didn't the, check did, either. I, I, I was trying not to. I kind of like to not know. So we're eliminated. I mean, even if you don't know it, you know it. Okay. Yeah. So Dallas. I feel it. How about that? I may not know it, but I feel it. <laughs> Dallas is not eliminated. I think they're still in first, although their lead mm-hmm. is a lot more tenuous now than it looked a week or two ago. And uh, man, I read their clips from this last game. You would have think you would think that they are the worst team in the world, the way that they're being written about well, right they, now. They had a bad game, and 20, my 20, gosh, the media there is nothing. I know, but, I mean, it was a terrible game, apparently. But yeah. I read clip after clip, and every single writer was saying the same thing it, about how horrible You know what that game reminds me of? Uh, no. 1999. Oakland. You think it's their Oakland? 45 to nothing. Right. And everyone wrote this team off. Right. Or not this team, but the 99 team. 
Yes. That was, One, the, that was the only loss in a, in a nine-game stretch. Yeah, that, was a hor- that was a horrible loss, too. It didn't end up meaning anything. We still no. got the first round by. No, but standing on the tarmac, coming it back with a, a four- and a five-hour flight, you thought, this is totally over with, and so did everybody else. So <laughs> as you look at those clips, all those people who are saying, you're dead and gone and we're going to bury you, they turn it around. They're all going to yeah. say, yeah, wow, that's just one game. Right. right. Why do we always end up bringing up the worst games in, in – well, it's not. It's it's. Because, I always bring up that indie, but game. there's a happy. There's a there's a happy ending. <laughs> yes. Well, almost. You were a happy using ending. it as a teaching moment. As a teaching you? moment that yes, they we ended up in '99 going to the championship game and should have won. Should have gone to the Super Bowl, but got you know, a manual rule. Yeah, not not saying that it was a bad call, but it was a bad call. Yeah, it yeah. was a bad call. You you know when it's you know how you know you can say it's a bad call and you when can't get in trouble. Names when it's 50, 20 years ago. No, it's a bad call when. A, they give it a name, and B, they change the rule. No, no, no. That's not what happened. They didn't change the rule. They clarified they, it. They made sure everybody realized that that when rule was. was being that it was already in existence, and now you you need to start calling it right. The Bird Emanuel rule. That's like a do-over. <laughs> That's like I messed up, and you know what? <laughs> We're going to edit this out because I didn't do good. We're not going to, but I'm just saying if I No, did I didn't wrong, mean it harshly. You know? I'm saying everybody thinks of it, thinks of the story that way. It's still yeah. just as bad either way. The, oh, yes. In fact, I think that's worse because the rule, that means they got the call wrong. Mm-hmm. And the rule is already in existence, so and it's they always call been it right. There. So that's, yeah. they just now they call it the Bird Emanuel rule. But 20 years later, can you tell me what a catch is? A little more so this year, yeah. I mean, they, they, okay, they've they definitely it. simplified it this year. Last year, that would have been a better question. See, you got catches, and I'm thinking, uh, what was it, 2010, should have had a touchdown going to the playoffs, and we didn't. Which one was that? What Was that? Um, I mean, I know what happened in 2010. We won 10 games and yeah, lost. Yeah, yeah, but uh, against, wasn't against Detroit, and we had a touchdown, and they called it back because he said he didn't have control. Yeah, I think so. Remember, I uh, – I try to I try to block that bad stuff out, but whenever we come into this room, the bad seeps back in. Well, let's just nip that in the bud then, right. because we got to get our guest in here. We can the uh, tight end named Alex Smith, not just a tight end though, but now he's a member of our scouting staff, yeah, and we'll let him cool. talk about that as well. You know, you did this. You started this whole podcast, and you didn't even you didn't even let our listeners know that I changed it up again. We are sitting in the Allie Donovan studio, which with, we've always been doing. At, no, but now we're sitting in their chairs. <laughs> Don't the, let them know. The table. I'm surprised they're not broken. Yeah. These chairs. But these are big. They big, talk about these, how many chairs they bring. Well, these are big boy chairs. <laughs> big man struggle chairs. Right. That's what they are. Yes, we have a tiny little round table, so we're going to be very yes. up close and personal with our guests this It'll week. Be awesome. Let me go get them. All right, very we'll, good. We'll be back in a minute. The Salty Dogs. And we're back on the Salty Dogs podcast, and now we have three people crammed around this tiny little table that it's Jeff not, thought was an improvement. Alex, what do you think of this environment? <laughs> I, I can manage. It's okay. not too bad. I don't have room for all, right. all my stuff. <laughs> Alex Smith is notes. with us. Yes. Well, here's the difference between how we do this podcast, Alex. Right. You have no notes. I have no notes. Scott over there. Has all the answers. A lot of notes, <laughs> a lot of stuff. Yeah, well, you know what? No, I'm glad that you brought that up. First of all, Welcome to the podcast, Alex Smith. Thanks for having me. Jeff, what Alex and I both have experienced that you probably don't know is there are other people with the same name. Smith? Maybe even the same profession. You think think Smith is common? (laughs) Well, my son's name is Alex Smith, which he knows. Um, You guys are on the cough drops, the Smith brothers. I've no, never heard of that. You've never heard of Smith <laughs> I don't know Brothers? What that means. That's like All a right. reference from the 1920s. No, it isn't. It's, you've not seen Smith Brothers cough drops? They're no. licorice. 
haul. Uh, about like as far as I've got. Really? Sounds well, like something my grandma would have in a, in a candy dish. Wow. Yeah, so that's All you, right. the grandma. Well, so see, you made fun of my notes. But so you both learned something today. You're going to go Google it. It's a good start so far. Okay, so they have cherry flavor, too, just Would you stop talking about cough drops? All right, my bad. So... You, you may find me for for bringing notes, but listen to this. Well, right. Listen to some names on this list. Sure. Anquan Bolden. Yeah. Randy Moss. Okay. Lewis Lips. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Yep. Wasn't he? Rich Kotite. Oh, I remember Richie Kotite. Came a coach. Yeah, it was Richie. John Jefferson. Alex Smith. What do you think this is a list of? Uh, players. Do you have an idea? I have no idea. I would say players who became coaches or tight ends that became coaches. Well, Alex isn't a coach. Uh, scouts. There you go. We're going to get to that. Is that better? This is a list. But I will say this. His his title may say scout, but in his heart, he's coaching. <laughs> this is, would, would, is it my accurate? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think just being a player, you know, you always want to pass off knowledge whenever you have that opportunity. And Thank you, Alex Smith. That's all it's about. Continue. This is a list of every player in NFL history who has caught two touchdown passes in his very first NFL game. I thought that might be it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? How many? Yeah, it looks like there's about 25. Wow. Kenny Galladay did it last year. Out of all the players, out of all the players. Two touchdown catches. And Rich Kotite is on that list. And somebody named Preston Riddlehuber. So you and Preston Riddlehuber have something in common. That was a great start to my uh, career. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that. Alex, you were a third-round draft pick by the Bucks out of Stanford. Um, and obviously you had a very good start to your career. We're here for four years? Four years, right. What did you think of your time here? I loved it. Um, you know, in hindsight, looking back, you, you wish we had a little more success and, you know, had a couple of NFC South championships. And, um, you know, unfortunately just couldn't get over that hump, uh, a couple first-round exits. But, um, you know, I definitely enjoyed it. It was my you know, most productive yeah. uh, time in my career here. And, um, you know, of course, I'm back here, so I clearly love the city. Some, that's true. Some players would say that's a pretty good run, a couple of NFC South champs, right? Division Absolutely. Champs. Since they were the last yeah. two we've had. You're in, He's but trying to help go. change that. I know. I know. You bring he, that to the table. That's those, the plan. Those were two really weird playoff games, too. Because if I remember correctly, the defense really did a good job overall, but there were turnovers, right? Yeah, I remember the first one, my rookie year uh, against Washington, that sticks out. Um, you know, we had that catch in the back of the end zone that they call not a catch. And, uh, <laughs> you know, then the New York, you know, we ran up against them at the wrong time. That was the year they went to the yeah, Super Bowl. The so, you know, just bad luck, bad timing. One of those games, I don't remember if it was the Redskins or the Giants, they only had like 150 yards I think it was the Giants game. But we had two, like, really critical turnovers. And the, the only thing that was redeeming about that after all of that is the Giants won the Super Bowl. So I felt like, well, just we lost <laughs> against – if you're going to lose, you lose against the Super exactly. Bowl team. Yeah. So um, did you like playing for John Gruden? I did. Um, you know, all the Chucky stories and <laughs> everything you hear, it wasn't really as bad as, you know, the perception on TV. And once you got in the building, you realized how smart he was, just how hard he works and – I think even more when I left the building, I realized, you know, just what you had, Is that right? you know, and once you get around the other teams and around the league, you just realize, you know, how smart he is and how much football he actually knows. Yeah. Th you know, it's funny you say that about the perception of John Gruden and people have always asked, what was it like to, you know, be dealing with John as the head coach and having to do radio shows with him? And 
John was great. Absolutely. He was, I mean, if you asked him a question, he gave you an answer. Uh, and he yeah. was, I always thought he was pretty easy going. I, I enjoyed him on, on TV also. When he was, when he's doing it Monday night football, I did enjoy that. Well, but, you know, it's a guy that eats, breathes and sleeps football. So, yeah. you know, getting on TV was a perfect and, 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 transition and, and, for him. And, and now either he's going to be a legend or who knows what it, it's it going to be. Go <laughs> he, he's got no, it's, it's either all or nothing right now with John. And you got to appreciate that. Yeah, he'll be there for a while. So he has some time to figure it That's out. True. <laughs> and we'll see and see where it goes. I always wondered if guys like him or Jimmy Johnson if they should come back. Because if Jimmy Johnson never went to the Dolphins, you'd remember him for being, as being one of the best coaches ever, but it didn't go all that well in right. Miami. Right. No. Uh so you mentioned that your four years here with the Bucks were the most productive part of your career, and I assume you mean like catches and touchdowns and stuff. Of course, that's all anybody ever really really is bad <laughs> 11, as a tight end. Right? Eleven with Tampa Bay, right? Did you have eleven touchdowns with Tampa I Bay? I couldn't tell you the number, no. Uh, you know what? I quizzed Alex just the other day Did because I, his name came up in some other research I was doing, and the five people who threw touch, touchdown passes to him. That was a real good one. He had me stumped. I didn't he even – couldn't remember one of them because really? one of them was Ernest Graham. Wow. Yeah, that's where he got me. <laughs> so – How could you forget Ernest Graham throwing you? As soon as he said it, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember to play yeah. exactly. <laughs> that was one that – Because he's rolling through the Rolodex of quarterbacks. I, I, uh, we had a lot of quarterbacks. There's a laundry think? list of quarterbacks. So <laughs> I, I left him out. Um, so, but what I was getting at there was – uh, even if your years after that weren't as productive in terms of catches, you played 11 years in the NFL, and to me, that's a productive career. No, I was very fortunate. You know, I was able to stay pretty healthy and, uh, you know, land on a couple different teams, and, you know, I was fortunate, like I said, just to kind of adapt, you know, like I came into the league, I was a pass-catching tight end, yeah. I guess you could say, and, you know, as time went on and my speed decreased, I had to, you know, change up and was blocking out of the backfield and became a blocking tight end all of a sudden. Yeah, so. I just don't <laughs> think that happens very often. I remember no. watching Alex's career after he left here and saying, I would have never guessed that you would become – how often do guys that are basically thought of as pass-catching tight ends develop into – Really good blocking tight ends. I don't think it happens that often. Not very often. No, it's you're usually either good at one or the other. Right. And this game, it's all about blocking now for the tight ends. It helps if you have a blocking. Well, that's tight what everybody end. wants. That's where, and that's where you can separate yourself mm -hmm. as being able to do both. And I know you see some of those guys like get to the, hang around a little bit longer. Robert Gronkowski, like mm -hmm. that's what makes him so special is the fact that he can align in line or get downfield. Hey, your last season was 2015. Correct. See, that's only three years removed. I know. Seems like an eternity ago. Does it? You feel like you're living another life now? <laughs> well, you know, especially when I go out there in training camp and think about running around and getting hit. It just <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> excite me anymore. Oh, yeah. it doesn't? Because yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, we could be down in yeah. tight end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you, you sound like Dave Moore. He loves Sundays, and he loves Monday even better because he's not all sore when he gets <laughs> yeah. up. That's the question I'm always asked is, do I miss it? I said, I don't miss training camp or practice. Mm -hmm. but You know, you, you miss hanging out with the guys. You miss being with the guys. You miss being on the field on Sundays with the crowd around um, but that's you know really about it all the other stuff that goes into yeah. it nobody really you know knows about but it's a lot of work you know year-round it didn't take you long then if 2015 was your last season to transition into this so was this something you were already contemplating yeah I knew in the back of my mind I wanted to get in the front office I wasn't quite sure how I was going to go about doing it but um, as a player a lot of coaches always came up to me and asked if I thought about being a coach and for whatever reason, I was more torn or drawn to the uh, front office than coaching. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't tell you why, but I was just always fascinated about how teams got put together. And so I took about a year off after I finished playing and was kind of just figuring out what I wanted to do. I started uh, doing an online course hmm. uh, for scouting just to get a little okay. background. Okay, well, I was going to ask you about that. Well, yeah, I had done some research, saw that you know that's where a lot of GMs have to start out as a scout, and right. you, know, you work your way up. And you know, I said, well. I might as well get started with that. And I was able to do an internship over here in uh, 2016. 
uh, during training camp. And that was my introduction to everybody. And it was a great experience. I figured, you know, this was something I could do. And you know, I was fortunate to get a call back later that year. So that's the end goal then, GM, general manager? Yeah, you know. That's you, what you shoot for, right? Yeah, of course. You know, aim for the stars and, yeah. you know, just see where you fall. But I could believe it. Absolutely. <laughs> what, what is so far the one thing that you learned that you didn't know as a player, but you now know because you're in the question. front office? What What's that one thing that – Wow. That, uh, Put you on the spot there. Well, yeah, I didn't mean to, but I was just thinking, you know, as you're a player, you think of how things are done. So as you go in now in the front office, what's that one thing that jumped out at you? Uh, you know, I would just, I think it was pretty eye-opening to me how much is gone going on upstairs. Like, I think you think of coaches watching the film, but, you know, the fact that the GM and the directors, all these guys are in there watching film of practice, not just the games, but they're watching each and every day. Those are things I didn't really uh, know that they did. Uh, per se um, and so when you see that they're constantly evaluating constantly trying to improve a team it's uh, you know each practice each day is very important and I don't think I ever <laughs> so as a player you didn't realize just because you're on the team doesn't mean you're going to be on the team oh, absolutely <laughs> you know you kind of go through the motions some days but that's my point is you know there's people always watching and you know always trying to you yeah. know, get the best guys out there as a scout how hard is it when you find someone and you're the one that believes this is the guy we need. How hard is it to pitch? Uh, because it's not just you saying, "Hey, I want this guy." Yeah, that's really all it is. Is you're just giving your opinion on you know things you think he does well. If there's any you know deficiencies he has, you want to point those out as well. But um, you know, it's really all this business is is just giving an opinion on it, trying to make an educated opinion mm -hmm. at that. But you know, just share your two cents and see. Uh, See if anybody else feels the same way. And if you're, if you're lucky to be in an area where the first-round picks are coming out, it's pretty simple to say who you should take, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, well, uh, I don't, was it just a matter of opportunity, or did you choose pro scouting over college scouting? Um, probably more so opportunity, but I, I think I was more drawn to pro just because okay. that's what I've been doing you sure. know, the last 10, year, 10 mm -hmm. 11 years. Right. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like I said, even when I was playing, I'd keep an eye on guys and, you know, I think just naturally watching film, you will critique guys and great guys um, just based on, you know, what they're doing out there and comparing yourself to those guys. So I think it was just kind of a natural thing I did uh, coming up and you know, here I am. How much of – now people would think, okay, a scout, his one and only job is evaluating players. Mm -hmm. How big a part of the job is learning your team's – I don't know if you'd want to call it philosophy or the things they look for in a player. Each, I assume each position, at tight end, we want a guy that's this, this, and this. At outside linebacker, we want, and you have, it's not the same for every team, I'm sure. Well, no, that actually ties back to the question you asked me before about something I didn't know is, you know, it's not just about picking the top guys on, yeah. you know, on the draft board. It's about are they the right fit? Is that the right, you know, do we run the right scheme yeah, to yeah. make mm -hmm. this guy, uh, you know, play to the best of his ability. So it's not just, oh, that's the number one pick, let's grab him. It's, is he the right fit? Will it work with our team? And so balancing that is, you know, in itself been, you know, pretty eye-opening. Yeah, I think that, you know, it, you always go with who's the best athlete, who's the best, and you go, and then you find out they don't work in your system. So right. it's a wasted pick. And that's, that's particularly you know? true. And I think it's changed a lot as time's gone on that it is more now looking for guys to fit your schemes. I right. think that's more of an issue for yeah. Alex's side of thing with free agents. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of free agents don't work out and it's because the team didn't do a good enough job of finding if they're the right fit mm -hmm. for what they do. Exactly. But I wanted to get your uh, player's opinion on this. Um, we just played the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, obviously their, their quarterback now. Right. And uh, it was Flacco. And with Flacco, they were throwing the ball two thirds of the time. And with Lamar Jackson, they're running it two thirds of the time. So it's a really good example of a team uh, 
adjusting to their player strength rather than trying to make sure that that player fits their system or plays within their system. Did you have experiences like that as a player on both sides where you thought you're, you don't have to get specific or where teams did a good job of ad- adapting to the players or they were too insistent on making the players fit in the scheme? I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm not asking you to throw any names out there. Yeah. I think for the most part, teams will realize, you know, who's in their building and, you know, they'll make the adjustments um, after they've, you know, seen what that skill set looks like, you know, in mm-hmm. person. Okay. You know, you always have an idea of what they did on, the, like you said, on another team or, um, you know, how you envision them playing. But once you actually get them in the building and, uh, you know, then you'll say, okay, maybe we can't do this. So let's do this instead. So it's more so just tailoring uh, to those players, I would say, uh, that I've noticed. Jeff, did you know that uh, – I forgot to bring this up earlier. Alex is, is a second-generation NFL player, at least. I don't know if your grandfather played. but No, second. You're yeah, his but father your dad. Played, which is why he grew up in Denver because his dad mm-hmm. was a Bronco. So were you – what year, what year did your dad play? He played 72 through 75, and he actually had his career in by a knee injury. So oh, that's why I, I you know, keep saying my thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You made it, yeah. Yeah. It's a tough league, man. It's, you know, 100% injury rate. And, you know, to make it out as long as I did, it's like it's, I keep saying it's a truly a blessing. But, yeah, unfortunately, he blew out his knee. Yeah. And, um, you know, back in the day, they didn't really yeah, you, have that the was procedures it, right? they did. Yeah, you had a, yeah they, weren't, they weren't doing a little incision no, and fixing no. your knee. They were yeah. taking it off, and you were done for <laughs> Big old forever. butter knife. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you were just, they were, here, hold the bullet. <laughs> Put that between your teeth. Exactly. Uh, we're good. we good. Well, the, if, if the only other question is that um, – I know you have twins. Yes. And uh, you're ready for another member of the family. Yeah, he should be here uh, in any week now. Really? Uh, it's yeah. that close? So it yeah. could be a Christmas baby, huh? That's or a New Year's baby. Well, oh. the 31st we're supposed to go in. No. Uh, we're scheduled for the 31st to deliver. But um, Don't you get something if you're the first baby of the year in yeah. any given area? Yeah, it goes in the newspaper. you got to tell her to hold year. on until I'm, still, oh. I'm hoping it's a little earlier or later. <laughs> just, you know, you don't want to mess up the New Year's plans. And Listen all to you, Scott. <laughs> Come on, baby. Hold on. Just Wait. two more two minutes. Two more right. minutes. Exactly. Eight. So yeah. that's exciting. No, but we're, we're considering uh, naming him the third. And oh, you know, how cool is hopefully that? Hopefully, he can you know keep the, gen- the keep it going. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And the twins are what seven? They'll be nine. And, oh, they'll be nine. Yeah, time's flying. Wow, they'll be nine. And so you you did decide to find the the gender of this? Find out the gender. We did. Uh, my wife wanted to do the big gender reveal, so uh-huh. um, what she did oh, was yeah, she put it in a uh, football, oh. and I, uh, I did a little kickoff and. As soon as I kicked it, I got the blue smoke, so I did a little fist oh, pump cool. in the air. Look at so that. wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. They're selling so you can put a you put the blue powder in a football. Well, what did she came up with that idea, right? Yeah, this was all her. This is her idea. Yes. So how did she do that? Whoever does these gender reveals, I think you can pretty Cust- much put it. Custom stuff? Yeah, they can do anything for you if you can think it up. <laughs> How cool <laughs> is it? Did you get a video of it? I did. I did. I can show you guys afterwards. That's cool. Wow. So you had a bunch of people around and you put them on a team uh, and kicked the football? Yeah, every, I had the pressure on me, though. I didn't want to miss the kick. I, or, she, you know, she, I thought maybe had the ball char- fall down. Yeah, Charlie, Charlie Brown, yeah. <laughs> did, did you already know? I didn't. No. Oh, so she wow. kept it. I found out. Oh, she that didn't know. No, none of us knew. We all found out at the same time. She so the do- the doctor or the well, the doctor put it in an envelope and then she uh, <sighs> gave it to one of her friends to take to the person. That's so cool. That's what it really well, is. And you know, I think that's been the thing as of late, and we had to 
kids nine years ago, and yeah. you know she's always wanted to do that. Like, so, oh, that looks so cool. Well, how, did, how, how did the twins respond to it? Everybody loved it. Uh, yeah. They had silly string, and so we gave them silly okay. string to um, like push thing. as soon as yeah. I kicked it, so it would push the color out. As oh, well. that too. Yeah, so <laughs> they did it. Love. <laughs> she did it. Well. Wow, that's really impressive. So wow. you said the third is your first name, Ed, or is your dad's? Yes, I'm Edwin Alexander. It's another Jr. thing we have in common. My first name is not Scott either. You, you, you guys, you. I think we were. What's amazing we were, is that you knew that. Well, you, you. I knew his name was Ed. Yeah. His dad's name was Ed, and he said his, his son could be the third. So, oh. you know, so you, we're, we're connected. It, we're, huh? We've got that brain. Is that <laughs> what it it's is? a Smith thing. Yeah. yeah. It's when we Smith. decide to, we're all going to band together. It's the Cough Brothers long. again, yeah. isn't yeah. it? <laughs> they had big, long beards, just so you know. I'm just helping you. Is that, yeah. that what we need this guy? I'm bringing it back around. Yeah, I think that's a sign that we've had. We did it. Well, Alex, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Interesting stuff. I like it. Appreciate it. No problem. All right. Thanks again. The Salty Dogs. Okay, everybody, we're back here for the final segment of this week's uh, Salty Dogs podcast. And before we go any further, I will say, unfortunately, this is a podcast, so you can't see stuff. And um, Alex did show us kicking the football and blowing blowing up blue. It is. It really was. I'm really jealous that we weren't doing that back in '03. That was and having the kids there and it was a neat video. Yeah. So so yeah, he kicks the ball and it kind of explodes into a big blue cloud. Blue cloud. That was. That was so that cool. That was a great idea. And see everyone everyone cheering and yelling. Yeah. That was exciting. That. Still think, though, that they should try to have the new baby right after the turn of the, the year. Yes. I think that would be neat. I know mm-hmm. he wants to get a little separation there from the hectic times yeah. of the holidays, but... Yeah, be the first one. Can you one. imagine telling everybody that you were the first baby born in a given year, or at mm-hmm. least in your area, mm-hmm. or at your hospital? That'd be neat. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe it'll be the first Buccaneer fan born in 2000. I always get a little upset with my wife Why? because she could have held out for a couple more minutes because she Alex was born at 11. One more minute. He was born at 11:08 on July 5th, 2003. So it would have been 11:9753. For one child, right, which would be neat, but she couldn't hold out one more minute. I think she had it's more big sticking. Point. I think she had more <laughs> time vested in this pregnancy than you did. I'm just saying. I agree. All right, that is always the case, of all course. Right, yeah. All right, so this is questions now. Yes, from Buccaneer fans. Yes, and all new ones this time. No, I like it. We, uh, Rusty Nothing did, from Rusty. Really. Yeah. Oh, Rusty, well, it's, it's I hope a busy time of the year. Well, probably. I know. I hope you're doing okay, Rusty. Nice nurse, Rusty. Mm-hmm. I hope a lot of people give her presents. Cool. She gives us presents yes. almost every week in the mailbox. Okay, so this first one is from uh, it's from somebody in Germany mm. named Marcus. At least he says that. Uh, maybe you know, lot, lots of times there's Buck fans on on army bases. There's an army base over there. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we had uh, our last Buccaneer Total Access show last night and um you can send questions through uh hashtag bucks radio and it came from the netherlands neat yeah i'd like to go there i guess that's why they call it are you ready for it world wide web <laughs> continue <laughs> okay uh and marcus says doggies i don't think mm. we've that one doggies hmm. we all second guess draft picks right after the draft that's true, true. even though everybody knows it really takes a couple of years to know how good picks are that's true mm-hmm we all do that, by the way. Sure. We all say, we always say, you really can't tell for three or four years, but then we go right to discussing what right. a great pick or not a great pick it was. So I know, for instance, that I'm not the only one who wanted the Bucks to take Derwin James. Here we go. Here we go. In the first round in this last draft. No offense to Vita Vea. Good, because we because were talk about how, he's how really great he's coming along. Just thought that James would be a stud. So mm-hmm. my question to you guys is, 
you've been around for a lot of drafts. I'm sure you could really say anything. You really couldn't couldn't really say anything at the time. I guess he means because we were Buck employees. But but do you remember any Bucks drafts that you second guessed at the time, and how did that turn out? Were you right or wrong? He says, I remember not liking the Devin Joseph pick at the time, but that one turned out well, which is right. a very good point. Are you willing to admit some time when you got it totally wrong? Thanks for your time, and the podcast really helps the this overseas fan keep up. Oh, well, good. Um, I think that um, – I've well, got one if you want a second to think. Yeah, about. go ahead. Would you? In 2005, All right. we had uh, – we drafted Cadillac Williams fifth overall, mm-hmm. and a lot of us on the staff really wanted us to get – to draft Mike Williams, the wide receiver that went to Detroit instead, because we felt like we already had, I think we already had Michael Pittman. Mm -hmm. uh, And we're like, we can already run the ball with Michael Pittman. We need a stud receiver, even though we just taken Michael Clayton and he's coming off a really good year. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, I remember thinking Mike Williams would be a good pick. And, uh, and I think as it turned out, Caddy had knee problems and, and didn't quite achieve what it looked like he would right off the bat because of that. But he was a very good player, and Mike Williams was a total bust. Yeah, right. I I wouldn't say, when I'm going to say this, I wouldn't say it was the wrong pick. I think there was just a lot of um, conversation before it happened, and that was, do you pick Sue or do you pick McCoy? We didn't have a choice. And we didn't have a choice. We didn't have a choice. But we could have lived with either one. I think we would have happily taken yes. Sue if McCoy and, had. And I think so. And I, I'm kind of twisting it a little bit to him is that – and then as time has gone on, when you say you would be happy with Sue, you would be happy with McCoy. We didn't have the choice, either or. That's who we were going to get because that's what we needed. But now, nine years later, I look back and I think McCoy was the better choice. And and my theory behind it is he's still on one team. Yeah. And Sue had his issues, and he's been Detroit, been to Miami, now he's with the Rams. So in that nine-year span, he's on three teams. I think it speaks volumes if a player stays with one team if you're a first-round draft pick and you're not the quarterback, because usually the quarterback gets more time. Miami gave him a huge contract, Mm -hmm. um, so you can't really blame the Lions, but if he was... If he didn't have the other little baggage, I guess you'd say yeah. they might have tried harder. Well, you kind of, you can kind of blame. Yeah, you can kind of blame the Lions because they could have held on to him the same as the Buccaneers held that. on he to McCoy. You might not give him a chance. Well, that's true. But he, you're he probably made, right. Yeah, they probably could have gotten something done mm-hmm. long term before he hit free agency. But and they you, didn't. Yeah, I think what's fun about about the draft is everybody's right on draft day, <laughs> and uh, no one ever remembers that they were wrong on draft day. <laughs> and I'm talking about everybody. Yes, right. And and also. Whoever you pick, you, you, you can kind of go down the line that some people are going to go yes, and then other people are going to go no. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it, we had Alex Smith on, and he said it's, it's not yeah. an exact science. That was a good pick, by the way. Alex, Alex mm-hmm. worked out for a third round pick. He worked out really well. Um, yeah, Caddy, you know, I like the Davin Joseph idea here, uh, not because I thought there was anything wrong with the pick at the time, but uh-huh. that's the one I always throw out there as how silly it is when people immediately label some, uh, a, give a team a draft grade for our whole draft or for one player based on him being a reach mm-hmm. or him sliding. Like, we got a lot of credit for getting O.J. Howard at 19 because mm-hmm. everybody thought he should be a, a top 10 pick, and that one is working out, mm-hmm. but it doesn't always work out that way. And the thing with Davin Joseph is we subsequently learned after the draft that we liked him all along. He was he was the guy we wanted. I think it was about pick 20 or 21, and all the mock drafts, had us wanting to take an offensive tackle in the first round. They all thought we were going to take this guy. I think his name was Winston Justice. He was from the Pac-12 somewhere. Yeah. He went to Philadelphia. 
And um, so no mock drafts had Devin Joseph in the first round. So when we take Devin Joseph 23rd, or what, I think it was 23rd, 23rd overall, all the draft pundits are immediately like, uh, well, you reached. So they give you a C or something on the right. pick because, because on their mock drafts, right. Davin Joseph was maybe supposed to go 50th and we took him 23rd. Therefore, we reached, what, and I'm what, doing air quotes right now. What I, yes, what I'd like to see happen is I'd like to see some kind of research where the top 10 picks in the last 20 years, of those top 10, how many truly lived up to the to that's, where they were picked. I'm sure that's actually been done. You can yeah, Google but, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure you'd be shocked that the the small amount of number who, yeah. who was successful. There, there are busts everywhere, mm-hmm. every part of the draft from pick 1 to 256. But the specific point I'm getting at here is, had the Buccaneers leaked out information that they liked Davin Joseph, then the people who do mock drafts armed with this information would have put Davin Joseph into their first-round mock and then everybody would have been conditioned to seeing Devin Joseph being considered a first-round mm-hmm. pick. And when the Bucks took him, he wouldn't be considered a reach because he was in all the mock drafts. Mm-hmm. Right. See how that goes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now the Bucks yeah. did a good job of not letting that information out there, and therefore none of the draft Knicks knew it, and they didn't put him in there. Mm-hmm. And Devin Joseph proved to be a wonderful player. Wonderful player. And, and he a, took a tackle in the second round. And a great individual. He, he oh, was, yeah, one of the best. He started O-line, turkey time for O-line. Which is still going it's on. It's still going on strong, going. yes. Him and Jeremy Trueblood. Mm-hmm. Yes. Davin's got to be one of my favorite guys. Yes. In fact, we were talking about trying to reach out to him and get him on this podcast. I think I should still try to do yeah. that. One of my favorites since I've been here, for mm-hmm. sure. I'm mean, with yeah. you. Caddy was, too. We were talking about Caddy. Yeah. Two good things about, two things about, you should know about Cadillac Williams if you don't. Ultimate team player. No question. Always said the right things always did what was good for the team. And two, he was incredibly competitive. Mm-hmm. Like, if he were here now with the ping pong table, <laughs> yes. he would have to beat everybody yes. in ping pong every day. He'd beat you to the food And he line. probably would, too. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Whatever it was, he needed to be first. I like it. All right, you ready for the next one? I am. Jeff and Scott. Mm-hmm. Jeff, number one. Yes, but I, the reason I paused to let you get that in there is because he says, listing you alphabetically. Ah. So, don't read anything. Very, anyway, very smart. Continue. Andrew Adams getting three picks in one game and joining a list that in other, another guest we've had on this show mm-hmm. that otherwise included only Rondé Barber, another mm-hmm. guest we've had on the show. Greatest DB in Bucks history, he says, which I think is true. I guess only John Lynch would have an argument with Right. Him. He'd probably. And Akib Tlaib, first-round pick, seems really – so he's saying Andrew Adams joining a list that, that otherwise was Rondé Barber and Akib Tlaib. Okay. Seems, he says, seems really, really, really random to me. Not trying to say anything bad about Adams. It's just that he's a guy that wasn't even on the team when the season started, and I had personally never heard of him before the Bucks signed him. Can you think of another big accomplishment? This is a good question. In the Bucks record books by a guy that otherwise would have been pretty anonymous or maybe even still is. Also, here's a vote to keep the podcast going in the offseason. I don't know about that. Maybe not as frequently. Is that what we've discussed? No. Can't say I listen every week, but I enjoy it when I do. Go dogs, keep casting. All right. Hey, that's uh, got double meaning too, because you like cast. Yeah, a, I a like fishing it. Rod. Yes. By the way, this person is named Sean Sims. Okay, Sean, Sean Sims. Look, um, he spells it like Sean King. Yep. And his last name is also the name of a Buck quarterback, yeah. Sims. Although he's missing an M. So he's he's like his parents. QB square. <laughs> so um, did you did you get the gist of the question? Uh, yeah. I'll answer the back part is the podcast will continue, but not on a weekly basis. Uh, breaking stories, big news. Events like events the Events like the, the draft, the combine. Maybe we'll do a, I don't know, if it's a mini camp one. I don't. It just depends on what's going on. Free agency. Yeah, yeah, something like that. All right. And, and, and if, we, you know, if we do free agency, then part of the goal will be try to get 
whoever they get in free agency to sit down that, with us. Oh, yeah. That said, if you are listening to this and liking hearing people's questions answered and thinking, I'd like to get a question answered, you can send it to us anytime at uh, saltydogs at buccaneers, B-U-C-C-A-N-E-E-R-S, dot NFL.com. Don't forget the NFL part in there. It's mm-hmm. not just buccaneers.com. It's buccaneers.nfl.com. Right, and you could keep sending them throughout the year. They'll be sure. sitting there. I mean, yeah. even if we don't do one for a month, they'll they'll, they'll just give us time to get more questions. Right. So, um, did you want to take a crack at the main part of this question? Well, yeah, I was just thinking about who we drafted that you know hmm. kind of was a sleeper. Well, the and, question and, is like, like what if the what if the guy the guy who had the most yards in a single game, say receiving, I think is Vincent Jackson. Right, that's a big name. Right, but what if it was like Tim Sky Brown. Dawson? <laughs> You know, he just had yeah. one incredible. Tim Brown was a good one because he right. only had, it's a big name, but he only had like three games for right. the Buccaneers. Uh, what if, um, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a more obscure running back. So, Remember we had that running back, Michael Bennett, for a little while. Right. Not the D, but the, for, we traded for him from the mm-hmm. Chargers, I think. What if just out of out of the blue he had one 250-yard game and it was like a buck record, but you barely remember the guy? Yeah, I'm trying to think Because I, I actually who, – Who do you have? Well, the one that came immediately to I did some research. Yeah. I kind of flipped through the record book. But the first one that came to mind to me without looking at anything was Wayne Haddix, who you – it's something like 1989. He was a cornerback. He didn't have a particularly, you know, noteworthy career. But in that one year, he, he picked off seven passes, returned for 231 yards and three touchdowns, I think, and made the Pro Bowl. Yeah, and then I think after that, I think they used to call him Wade Toast Haddix. No, no, that was Rod Toast Jones. Oh, Rod Toast Jones. Okay. Don't get him confused. Don't get him confused. All right. I'm going to look it up because I brought the media guy down in case I need to listen. I think well, that would be, yes, that would be one where a guy just had a, you know, a, a, a terrific year out of nowhere. Okay, yes, it wasn't, that would it be. It wasn't 89. 80, 88, 87? Uh, no. No. Maybe it's the wrong way. Maybe it's 90. Yeah, it was 90. Nine, okay. Seven interceptions for 231 yards and three touchdowns. He made the Pro Bowl that year. Did you remember that name? I did when you said it, but then I was thinking I, I got it a little bit. I knew it was – I got a little confused because I remember Toast. So yeah. that, that's – I think that's a good one. Uh, I, that's then, an excellent one, as a matter of fact. One that's, more – That's a great – you know, that's a good That's a good year to have on a contract year. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was not free agency. No, I understand. Um, another one that I thought of without having to look it up, although I had to look up what the exact number was, mm-hmm. was – who do you think, what quarterback do you think holds our record for best passer rating in a season? Mm. Take a few guesses. Steve DeBerg. Nope. Uh, not Vinny. No. Uh, I mean, well, there's not a whole lot. I mean, you'd you, you think Doug. But no, then, back then. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, Doug's passer ratings were yeah, The he game was, was different. He struggled. Yeah, he, well, was a big And difference. he threw the ball away a lot to avoid sacks. Trent Dilfer. No, nope. That's a good guess, though. You want me to tell you? Yeah. The great Brian Greasy in oh, yeah. 2004. Yeah, uh, pass rating of 97.5. You know, you talk about nice guys. He's yeah. a nice guy. I don't remember. Yes, he's a very nice guy. One way or another. He, he was very down to earth considering who his dad was mm. and growing up in a football family See, and everything. He was really. I feel like, he, I feel like I had a, a memory of him being kind of surly. So that's, I guess I'm really? wrong about that. Well, it's because he's because he's dealing with you. That's true. You know. Why is it that all the players I know are surly? What's the yeah? What is what's the, the common denominator? Well, I don't there? know. <laughs> we'll have to investigate this. Um, okay, so then I, I went into the record book to verify that because I'd remembered that it was him, but mm-hmm. not exactly the details. It was ninety-seven point five in two thousand four, and then I flipped through a little bit, and um, 
you know, be, before Chandler Kent Zaro had a 59-yarder this year, <laughs> uh, Kyle Brenza, who was here for about three weeks, had a 58-yard field goal, which was the second longest in team history. Yeah. And now we have Kent Zaro and Brenza. Mm-hmm. Matt Bryan obviously holds record, but the next two are those two guys who weren't here for very long at all. Michael Hughes did kick the really long 57 one. 57 in Oakland. 57 in Oakland, right. Um, and at the Coliseum. Which we're going back yeah, to. we're going back to. 20-some years later, we're yeah. going back. That's, I don't even remember anything about it. I remember, and I know you're going to laugh at this, it was gun day. <laughs> where you turned in the gun. Oh, you've told this before. Yeah, where yeah. you turned in the gun and you got a free ticket. And, That's a good thing. And it was a good thing. But the one thing I noticed, and as I'm looking out at the crowd, I kept thinking, what is different? What is different? And I realized that there really weren't any children or women in the stands. It was... Pretty pretty rough crowd. I wonder why. You know, oh, that was gun day. Is that why? <laughs> yeah, you turned your gun in, got a free okay, ticket. I, I like the idea of of getting guns off the street. Absolutely. But how what's the, how what's the procedure on that? Do you because do you have like fifty thousand people actually carrying guns up to the gate and throwing I, them in a bin? I think I think what had happened is you did it during the week and okay. then you got you didn't bring you your went gun. to like the police station. Yeah, and you, got you didn't a bring, for doing you it? didn't bring your gun with you. I would hope not. You kept you your gun in your back. Fifty thousand guns. You kept the, your gun in your back pocket in the when there because that back then you didn't get. It would you, be the craziest tailgating party of all time. I do remember. I do remember coming out of the Coliseum, and they had bicycle racks where you had to walk up to the buses, and there were police officers every like five feet as the team walked up the the visiting team back up because that that's a very old stadium, hmm. you know. But I I do remember, and the they white- also and the other thing I remember is they had a band. They had a real. They had a like Baltimore this past week. Mm-hmm. The. Uh, the former owner of the White Sox, who I can't think of his name right now for many years, was known Finley? Vic? Not Vic. Charles Finley or something? No, like Charles that? Finley was Kansas City. He invented, uh, he, he, he pushed baseball into, um, into uh, um, nighttime. It is possible for a guy to be associated with more than one team, Jeff. I don't think it was him. Okay, um, but anyway, what I was getting at is he always had creative this night or that night's games for White Sox. And I'll tell you what his name was, Bill Vick. Oh, yeah, you're right. You said Vick, and I didn't hear you. I know. I did, and then I had to... V-E-E-C-K. And then, and then, when, you, okay, and right. then when you gave me your little salty, you know, some guys have been with more than one team. Well, I'm going to look it up right I now. I had to think about it, yes. But you're right, Bill Vick. He did Disco Night, 1979. Right. But didn't he also do a night that was like Nickel Beer Night? Yes. And it went... Well, everybody was, got a little inebriated, and, and it got rowdy, and they actually had to call the game off? Yes. Yes. That's funny. And Disco Night, they burned it and then the field. But I think it might have been the same night, too. Here's a little information about Charles Oscar Finley. Okay. An American businessman who was best remembered for his tenure as the owner of Major League Baseball's Oakland Athletics. Yeah, what did I say? Finley purchased the franchise while it was located in Kansas City, mm-hmm. moving into Oakland it. in 1960. But what did I say? You said Kansas City. And it was. He started in Kansas City. At, I bought get that. The, Bought the Oakland, Oakland. He bought the Kansas City Athletics and moved them to, to Oakland. Oakland. And he was the one who made um, the World Series go into the night nighttime. It was always played during the day. Oh, he that's also not good. he also wanted to use a yellow ball, <laughs> like they do in God Google Google that stuff. I'm a baseball fan afterwards. too. I'm a quiet baseball fan, but yeah, I'm, I'm a not. I'm a loud fan. baseball fan. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, so here's another. Speaking of the Rams, do, yes. you, do you remember the game? And I feel like we were talking about this recently, where the Rams. I think we talked about it last week where the Rams made a big comeback in the second half against us. Yes. Well, in that game, the Buccaneers built to like a 27-3 lead, and one of the touchdowns was Ty J. Armstrong, 
who is the definition of a blocking tight end. Yes. Like we were talking about with mm-hmm. um, with Alex Smith. He was a huge dude who didn't catch many passes at all, but was a nasty blocker. You know who else was a really good blocking tight end? John Gilmore. Besides, before John Gilmore? Dave Moore? Yes. Yeah. He who probably did, had to work at it. Who did Dave Moore block for? Uh, Mike Allstott? Yeah. I know. Follow me, Mikey. They made him, yeah, they made him an H-back for yes. a fullback. Yes. I remember when that happened. And yes, he did not like that. <laughs> he did not like that. He didn't. The he, other thing that Dave Screer was known for was the high rate of touchdowns because he'd have, he didn't, a season with like 25 catches and seven mm. touchdowns or something. He, he had a great line uh, Sunday in the broadcast booth because it was raining really, really hard. And Gene made a comment that will slow guys down. And Dave said, this is my kind of weather. It made me look faster. Yeah, that's right. He did say that. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty clue. So, that's good. Um, so Ty J in that game yep. got it sort of like a seam pass. Probably should have been about 20 yards. And two Ram safeties arrived at the same time to tackle him. And this is literally what happened. He's a huge dude. Mm-hmm. They both, both safeties made flying hits on him from opposite sides of his body. One hit him on the left side, one hit him on the right side at the exact same time, canceled each other out, and they just both fell off. He stayed upright, and they got hurt. They fell (laughs) off, and he ran like another 60 yards for the touchdown. 81-yard touchdown is the longest touchdown catch by a tight end in team history, and tight end didn't catch a lot of passes. So that's a really random one right there. Yeah, but a great blocker. And a guy that was known for taking it right to the edge and maybe a little bit over from time to time. I like, I like how you threw out John Gilmore. Well, he's, he, he was talking about that on the broadcast yeah. the other day. Um, you know, and I was serious about Alex Smith when he was here, and I wanted to make sure I asked it in a respectful way because I meant it positively. But I remember after he left here, because I always thought of him as a pass-catching tight end primarily, and he left here and he kept his career kept going, but you'd look at his numbers and there weren't a lot of receptions, which mm-hmm. means he was getting – Stay in the league because he's a blocker. Right. I don't think that's common at all for a guy who's primarily a pass catching tight end to hone the blocking side of his game and become that good that you stay in the league another seven years. Mm-hmm. Right? That doesn't yeah. happen very often. But it's that's impressive. But it it is. It's very impressive. And that's the thing about all around tight ends. If you can catch, you got to learn how to block. Yeah, that's like what Cam Braid has gone through in his. He's career. learning. He's learning how to block. He's getting better at blocking. Yes. So one more on this question. All right. You you may know that Doug Martin. Who's a very prominent player in mm-hmm. our team history? Holds a team record with an 84-yard run. That's the longest yep. run in team history. Um, until he did that, the record was held by Cadillac Williams. Nope. Bobby Rainey. Ah, little Bobby Rainey. He had an 80-yarder against uh, Buffalo in in 2013. I think it was like the first or second play of the game, and we ended up blowing them out. Hmm. Bobby Rainey. He's a good guy, and he did a pretty good job for yeah. us in the time that he yes, was there. Yes, he's there, right? Um, okay, so that's a, that was a good question. I like that one a lot, even though you didn't have any answer to it at all. No. I really carried us on that one, Jeff. Yeah, but I knew my baseball. You did know the Charlie Finley stuff. That was yeah, good. was Bill it Vack. a Bill, a Bill Vick? Vick. Yeah. yeah, I had to, and, and yeah, I had to think about it. I didn't know who you meant when you said Vic. I know, and then and that's when I knew it wasn't the right name, and I was, as you were berating me, I was coming up with <laughs> But I think name. he did have like a nickel beer night, and it they got did. out of hand, and, and, and there was stuff being thrown, and, and they had to call the game off? Yeah, well, the disco night, they were burning the records oh, on the right field. Oh, that's right, too. Yeah, and that, that, went, <laughs> that went south. That was when disco sucked. That was uh, yeah. uh, disco. It was a disc jockey named Steve Dahl that uh, started. At, and Steve Dahl is still, uh, he now does podcasting now. Ah, well, I guess that's, that's what happens. Sport of Kings. Uh, yes. And old sailors. Yes. Uh, he also was a guy who put his 
team in shorts one time. That was when that was when you had to do really cool stuff. Like he he also did twilight double headers, which would you do a game in yeah. the afternoon, then you'd have like a little mini Break, concert yeah. or something, and then you would have the next game. And you did not have to leave the stadium. You right. bought one ticket, you got both games. Good idea. Yeah. All right. One more All right. question. All right. Salty dogs. I think I've got the best question ever. We'll be the judge of that, yep. Mike. And you didn't give me any information. I couldn't figure it out from the email address. All I know is his name is Mike. I don't know. Tell us where you're from when you send these things. We like that. So last night, I literally had a nightmare that involved the Buccaneers. I'm not kidding. It's a little hazy, but it involved me in the stands. I, I, could, I, I could throw a joke out here. <laughs> yeah, let's not. That was kind of teed up, right? And some fan of another team, I feel like it was the Saints, and there was a sack fumble and a long return for a touchdown, and the guy next to me was going nuts. It was awful. Like I said, it's a little hazy and not really all that dramatic, but uh, that really happened, so I immediately thought of you guys. Have you ever had a Buccaneer-related dream, good or bad? See, I think dreams about your workplace come from stress in the workplace, Jeff. And I, the reason why is because the yeah. only job I've ever had, ever there was an old commercial for, I don't remember what it was, but the person was sitting there in the bed and there was a assembly line going across in front of them and they were like putting stuff together because it was like yeah. they were saying you took your work home with you and you couldn't sleep. The only job that ever happened to me when I was young and I was a waiter for a few years and I'd go to sleep and I'd be dreaming about having six tables and they all needed water. And they all, you know, <laughs> when, you, when you're working five or six tables as a waiter and it's, and it's during the rush. I, I just can see you. Oh, it's so waiter. terrible. I <laughs> liked being a waiter when it was slow. But when you were doing five or six tables at once, it can be really. Did you remember up, that next did, time you want to. Did you go up and say, hi, I'm Scott. I'm your server today. I'll be your server today. Yeah, I'm taking care of can you Can I today. interest you in something to drink? <laughs> oh, to my, fav- uh, my favorite is this. I don't care what your favorite is, pal. They ask that sometimes. I know yeah. they do. I just laugh And at you it. just tell them the most expensive thing on the exactly. menu. Exactly. You tell exactly. them the second most expensive thing on the menu because yeah. you tell them the most expensive thing on the menu. Then they know. Yeah, they know. Uh, yeah, I was a pretty good waiter, I'll have to say. Yeah. If you have to take my word for it. Yep. But anyway, well, that was the one job. You didn't job. starve, so you did okay. <laughs> that was the one job where I went. I totally. I'd, I'd, I'd be asleep, and then I'd, I'd wake up thinking I had to get to a table. I have been accused of it as being an overtipper. Well, that's a great thing to be accused yeah, of. I have, I, I, I have. Do you start at 20%, right? Well, if you suck, you get at least. 15. Yeah, if you suck. I mean, if, if you're terrible. If, if you. If, if you forgot my order and you forgot I was there and you just brought me a bill you and you didn't 15%. serve me, I would give you. 15%. Oh, you didn't even get your food yeah, ever. I, yeah, I, oh, you might be going a little yeah, far with that one. I am, <laughs> you know, you're you're 15, and then and it's and it's always a, a discussion. And then here's the do you tip on the tax? Yeah, no, you don't have do you, do to. Do you tip on the total? I just food look at the total at the bottom. You look at the bottom, then yeah. you just do the math. Or do you look at okay? It really the tax is there. Like the tax is you're ten dollars. A little too hard if you, you do know that, I think. if you're looking at at that. The, the, the great thing about tipping twenty percent is the math is so easy. Yeah. So if you see your bill is sixty eight dollars, just yeah. six point eight times two, so right. it's thirteen dollars and sixty cents, fourteen dollars. Yeah. Um, but I I'll tell you what what I what I do hate. I do hate when you automatically put a tip on yeah. on my bill. Okay, because one you're going to get cheated, and I don't like that. You can add to it. Well, I understand that, but I'm just saying. And and now, on the receipts, it galls me that they go, if you tip 
eighteen percent. It's they this tell you much. How much it if is. It, but they don't start at fifteen. They start at like eighteen. It's little things. Shouldn't like be a that. problem for an over well, Right, and it, it's not. It's just something that I notice, and I say, you know, if I'm going to be generous with my money, I am the one who's being generous. You're not, you know, tricking me. The into thing it. you got to think about when you're when you're thinking about tipping at a meal when you go to a sit down restaurant. Mm-hmm. You have to understand that that's part of the cost. Right. You have to know that going in. But let me ask you this question. That has to be part of the cost because okay. that's how they get paid. Okay. Here's here's the thing. I understand that. However, you, we, for, for we somebody who claims to be an over tipper, no, you no. certainly argue as if you're an under. No, no, no. But I can play, play. I can play both sides. But I, 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 I dated someone who tipped. Who tipped? Who? Who? Who was a waitress? So I understood okay, what good. that was. So good. I understood my sisters did that. So I, I understand that part. But what I, I think the problem is the fallacy of the, that I think they should be paid more to begin with. Well, of course, but because, not. okay, but here's the thing. We sit down, we're going to have dinner. You order uh, mac and cheese. That's probably not what I would order. Oh, yeah, whatever. A hamburger. Can I have a steak, please? Okay. You order a steak. Rare. Okay, you order steak. Rare. I ho- I order a hamburger. My hamburger is ten dollars. Yours is twenty five dollars. Why does it cost more to bring out a ten dollar hamburger and put it down in front of me, and then you have to tip more because you have a steak that costs twenty four dollars and put down? Just, I'm just throwing it out. If there. you don't like that, then get the hamburger. No, I'm just saying. I think I think they need to be. I th- I. I the food service people need to be better taken care of is what I'm saying. Yeah. And it shouldn't just rely on the customer. Well, the That's problem with the saying. relying on the customer is that there are bad How did we get there. into this? I was telling you that waiting waiting tables is right. one job. It was answering the question. It is. I don't think I can remember. I got to have had a, a Buccaneers dream at some point. I don't think I, I'll tell you what dream I had last night. You want to know what dream I had last what? night? I beat Donald Trump in foosball. <laughs> and I am very good at foosball. I beat him eight to nothing and he was really upset. Did he tweet about it? <laughs> That's how I would know if it really happened, right? <laughs> Didn't get that far in a dream. I may, I may just start a fake Donald Trump account. Fake Donald Trump. But he was also spinning the rods at the end, uh-huh. and you're not supposed to do that. That's really bad etiquette. So you were saying he was cheating? It, that, I consider that cheating. Mm-hmm. It was 8 nothing the first game. I don't know why it ended at 8. And then the second game, I was winning 2 nothing, and then I woke up. Yeah. I, but I don't yeah. remember a buck dream. I'm, I'm never... Um, it must have happened over 26 years, but... No, I don't. I don't really dream about wins or losses or. But it could be anything. It could yeah. be you. You're dreaming about being at work. But no. I, that's part of what I'm saying. I think we both enjoy our jobs here. Yes. And, and, and I, while I enjoyed some of being a waiter, there was parts of it that were really stressful. Sure. So that's. And why you were you take a younger, it and it's your first job, and I get all of that. But uh, it was not my first job. Oh. Jeff. I never did. I never worked in a, in a restaurant. I was a busboy first, and then I graduated you to be a waiter. Out. Yeah. Um, I do remember when I was in college, I would occasionally have dreams where I walked onto the uh, football team, which in, and then I'd wake up and go, well, that was silly. That will never <laughs> happen. But I was always a kick returner uh, for some reason. Well, probably you could run fast. I wasn't that fast. Well, I was, I was not fast. I was fast enough for a weekend warrior. Yeah. Well, you still are. You still are. I don't play anything anymore. Well, that's because you're old, but you try. If you haven't blown out your knees, you'd still be doing it. But that's a I whole... came back after playing. I know you did. Knees. I played five football for like three more years. I don't think anybody hey, out there cares I, about this. That, yeah, but the best part is you blew your knee out trying to be a pass defender one time. Was it was it you that that blew it out or who did here? Yeah, no, who, who? no. Okay, this is a good story. And and uh, back in the John Gruden days, 
um, you and this is there's still rules about how many practice periods and in a certain time of years if you could have offense going against defense. Mm-hmm. So, in at times when you couldn't have offense against defense, he would they put together what they called one buck bandits and staff members were asked to come out and pretend to be the defensive players. Right. So like, you know, you might've been a defensive tackle or whatever. And so I didn't, I usually covering practice. So I really didn't get a chance to do it very much, but I really wanted to because I enjoy playing football. I thought it'd be fun Mm -hmm. to run around. And I finally got to practice and I was a safety and um, I was playing safety. And just by sheer luck, I, I don't know, just got lucky and read a route and jumped it. And I, I, I'm not going to say who the quarterback is because that would be demeaning to a professional info quarterback. I put my hands up and I was going to intercept it. And then in my head at the last minute, I'm like, well, maybe we're not supposed to knock the balls down. So I pulled my hands down and it went over and was complete. Now, who knows if I would have actually caught it or not. Right. But I had a shot at an interception off an NFL quarterback and Raheem Morris started yelling at me. He was a DB coach. Uh-huh. He was like, why didn't you pick that off? I'm like, I, I thought I, I, I wasn't I, supposed to. So I had one chance in my life to pick off a pass in an NFL. And practice. I could see Raheem doing that. Out of all the coaches that would it was want funny. you to He do was that, having fun with it. He would do it. Yeah. So there was a guy who was playing right. out there, and he blew out his Achilles. Yes. And that was the end of the one buck. Band. Yeah, now we're no longer allowed to do that. We don't do that, do that anymore. You know, rules. <laughs> rules. I was telling somebody this. Things were a lot more lax in the 90s in the yes. Sam White chair. I remember being at practice. Damn Bin Laden. <laughs> I, I remember being at practice and uh, occasionally getting a chance to field punts when the punter was working mm-hmm. off. That's really, really hard. I was terrible at it. You right. always misjudge it. The first one goes 10 yards behind you, and then you adjust. And... There, There is a lot of stuff that you could do before social media that we would yeah. do early in games, or not in oh, games, yeah, yeah. on game day. We would all be out on the field. The video guys used to play that game. Hit the goalpost. Yeah. And step back, and and you would be able to play with players who were out there because you didn't have the NFL network. You didn't have everybody with a phone. Yeah. You didn't have all you what had. Are these Yahoo's doing the yeah, videos on the yeah, YouTube? All you had was some radio guys, some ball boys, <laughs> some video guys, some real NFL players trying to keep loose their minds loose, playing that game five hours before the game yeah, started. And nobody was there. It was, it was the most fun ever. The video yes. guys always do that. And um, uh. I was going to say, I remember a couple times of practice in the 90s. You know when you have two quarterbacks warming up and two guys stand next to them so mm-hmm. they don't have to catch So they'll throw it to that guy and he hands it to the quarterback. I got to do that a couple times, and I was catching passes from Trent Dilfer. And NFL quarterback, strong arm. But was he known as the strongest arm in the no. NFL? You would not believe how hard these guys throw. Yes. Just regular little 15-yard passes. My hands hurt so bad that I'd like, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. Not fun. So you play flag football and you think you know what it's like to catch a pass. It's nothing like in the NFL. It, it, it's, it's what I always say. Do you know how good you have to be to be bad in, as a professional right. athlete? <laughs> hey, you know what? We almost – this is this this segment's like 33 minutes. Yeah, we should long. probably wrap it up, right? I yeah. mean, we've, we're or, talking about – But here's the good news. It's the holidays, so people have more time on their hands. You have more time during the holidays? Yes. That hasn't been my... Uh... Well, once Christmas is over with, you're kind of, you know, uh, familyed out a little bit. You need a little <laughs> quiet time. And the salty dogs are here to supply that for you. Pop in your earbuds. <laughs> and just... And, and uh, sit in the corner, see. and they go, Grandpa, what are you laughing about? <laughs> oh, never mind. Yes, when, we, when we're talking about us as waiters and how to tip and dreams of being kick returners... Yeah, I've never, I've never dreamed to. about... Um, no, I've been really for- fortunate. I've had some pretty cool jobs, That's so good. I can't complain. The best of, of all time is being a salty dog on this podcast. It, you know what? This has become a uh, a treat for me because it's and rusty. Yeah, well, it's a treat because it it encompasses everything I've done in my life. It 
broadcasting, football. Talking about random stuff. It's awesome. All right. All right. All right. I don't know. We don't know yet if we're going to do one of these next week because of Christmas. Maybe on Monday, maybe not. Well, maybe we'll have that discussion because this is extra long and we can say this is the Christmas version. There you go. Just in case this is the Christmas version of of Salty Dogs. Well. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to to everyone who serves. Yes. For wherever you are. Whatever holiday you celebrate. Enjoy the Jelly of the Month Club. (laughs) That sounds like a good way to go. (laughs) You know where that's coming. That's from, right? No. Really? Oh, yeah, vacation. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I no, thought, no, okay. I got Christmas vacation. I thought you were playing Casey Phillips for a second. Right. <laughs> That's a good one. All right. <laughs> Since you did, thanks for listening.